the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. We've got a special one for you today, everybody. I am Jim, pastor at Liberty Church Collingswood in the interview chair, and the interviewee chair is my good friend, the right reverend, Stephen J. Huber. Steve, how are you? Hello, everybody. Good to be here. Yeah. So Steve is the director of the Liberty Formerly Network. The the we're, We've entered our mid to late print stage right now where we're the communion formerly known as a network but the director of the liberty communion of churches we we need a hieroglyph maybe we should go from a church name that's latin to a church name that that doesn't use the cyrillic alphabet at all i i'm uh inventing many special symbols in my spare time uh future <laughs> tattoos that's great on all, on all of our bodies not creepy at all yeah we we talked beforehand about how this wasn't a video podcast so you can't you can't see all the all the runes all over steve's body right now sure so yeah being a network of churches that is now a communion of churches saying hey we're a communion of churches it is a shift and it was fun to celebrate that this past weekend right which is why steve is on the post sunday blues this week he preached a sermon that was recorded and shown at multiple locations of Liberty Churches this past Sunday because it was our annual Network Sunday where used to be the combined service for Liberty Churches where we all got together in Center City to worship across our different locations. We became a little too spread out and that was unwieldy, but now we're doing it uh, the other way. And Steve, you, you recorded the sermon the past week and you also preached the sermon at two different locations, Liberty River Wards and Bridge Community Church on, on Sunday. How you feeling? <laughs> it was really fun to do. I was like, am, am I going to be able to get there with the snowstorm? But no one was out on the roads uh, oh, right. in, in between churches. It, the timing was a little bit tight, but it worked out. And um, uh, it's what's true of particip- going to church is true of preaching too. Uh, it's, it, there is something special about being there in person. I wish I could have been everywhere. Um, but yeah, it was really special to be able to be at River Wards and preach that sermon. And also at Bridge Community, which joined our network and community of churches uh, just in this this past year. So that was really fun. Yeah. So you were banned on the run on Sunday. Have sermon, will travel. And and it was really great. One One note from me, Steve as we settle into the podcast here. So, so between Steve and me, there are a lot of years at this point of friendship and relationship. I forget if I mentioned this last time, Steve was one of our first post Sunday blues podcasts ever around this time last year. And so look at us, we've survived a year, another one. So Steve, not only has been a a dear friend for a lot of years, but Steve, you were influential in my preaching, like back in the early to mid two thousands when I was still in seminary, from then uh, through the 2000s, you were, and it's not that you're not now, but you were a regular rotation for sermon listening that 
that that I listen to. I don't think anybody quite preaches like you, but there are some 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 moves behind the scenes that that I that I've tried to pick up over the years, saying, "Hey, I I wish I could." could lean in that direction a little bit so little did you know when you were toiling away in fairmount and northern liberties that there is a jim anger stalking you hey uh, that's very kind and encouraging and thank you for sharing that and uh yeah it's really fun to to be friends over years and years one of the things i said uh in a different way in person is that not only in the gospel, not only do we get God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're in communion with him, yep. but we also get each other. So it's been super fun to be friends with you and ministry partners over years and years, you know, now over, over a decade. It's awesome. Amen. Yeah, that's really good stuff. And let's talk more specifically about your sermon, Steve, calling it Stormy Monday. We're recording on a Tuesday. The Story Monday is a blues song about how starting the week can feel rough. It feels rough for preachers sometimes when <laughs> instead of partying all Saturday night, we're, uh, we're preaching on Sunday morning. The, this was Network Sunday. And Steve, you preach a lot in the course of a year as network director at Liberty Churches and, and otherwise. But, but this particular Sunday and sermon is different from all of those. What, what's, what's on your prayer bandwidth and what are you burdened by coming into what really is a state of the union sermon each year for Liberty? Yeah. I mean, I, I really am. Most of the time you're thinking about how does this apply to one specific church? How does this apply to this community and their life? Are they recently planted? Have they recently relaunched or yeah. recently installed a bunch of new leaders? And this was really the, the prayer burden was nine churches and church plants. And this moment, which is unique in our history, here we are 20 years in, hmm. and it's been a time of reclarifying vision, restating what we believe, and also recommitting to it. So I came in into it with a lot of excitement, actually, and uh, I, was, I was excited for this day to come. Um, also, by God's grace, I, I thought it feels like a, almost like a 20-year journey, some of this unity right uh churches working together i've thought about that for a long time particularly about the word communion and how that could be you know i obviously believe a helpful word for how the church is called to connect now yeah um that's been the past few years but bottom line i was super stoked i love these churches and had them all in my heart and mind as i prepared this this sermon absolutely and we announced at Liberty Collingswood, Steve, I, I introduced your, your sermon video and let people know that very recently at Liberty Collingswood, our consistory, our leaders unanimous, unanimously voted to re-up with the network and recommit to deeper, more intentional communion of churches. But for our listeners here who may not have been in the room, that, that's what the churches throughout our network have done this fall, culminating, when did we start talking about doing it? couple of years ago a couple a couple we, years ago covid yeah. happened in the middle lots of things happened covid happened hey it, yeah so this has been a couple years of focused work and yep. uh, yeah a lot of conversations and work has gone into it right and what do you hope when when you went into the sermon recording and gave the sermons on sunday was there one thing or one burden or one effect that you're hoping, Hey, if, if the Holy spirit will take this sermon and do X, I'll be really thankful. What might that X have been? 
Yeah. I, I think a lot of times we're, we tend to be blind to the beauty of what we're a part of. Hmm. And uh, so I was praying that uh, we feel the joy and privilege. Look, look what we, we are part of to be in yep. communion, God, each other and in mission together. Look at the, the glory, the beauty, the wonder of what that is. And that has some practical outwork outworkings like renewed appreciation uh for each other and kind of a doubling down to yeah let's be in relationship yeah but yeah just the wonder of what we're a part of um is something that uh i felt by god's grace mm -hmm. in the act of preaching it like hey you wanna sometimes we need to uh just show up and say what we re really believe but we and it doesn't touch our emotions in the way we wish it did. Yeah. But um, no, this came deeply from my affections and um, I was feeling it, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have heard of such a thing. And it came across for sure, Steve. The, one of the things that I was thinking when I was listening to the sermon is that this is actually a pretty, it's not an easy sermon to preach for a couple of different reasons. You already touched on, you're speaking to a lot of different churches in a lot of different contexts all at once, which always makes, makes it harder to, to focus when you're being stretched across different contexts. And then also there, there's an old term from, from rhetoric. When, when I was in college, one of the few, I went to one of the few schools in the region that had a speech department, a department of rhetoric on the, on the college level. It was only one guy who was the whole department. And, uh, and so I took all the speech classes that I could in, in college and most of it was really cool. So an old rhetorical term, uh, epideictic, uh, rhetoric do you, do you know what epideictic rhetoric is by any chance uh, that's actually i was coming on the podcast to learn that <laughs> and i will not leave until i've learned uh how do you say it again epideictic i'm yeah so epideictic. I'll, yeah i'll uh i'm not going to steal your blessing I'll so 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 an epideictic speech is a formal speech to mark an occasion so uh college convocation is an epideictic speech, a, you know, start of a, a, a state of the union address for the most part is an epideictic speech when you're, when you're just marking an occasion and observing, Hey, we're all here. We're in this regular rhythm. So it's less about persuasion. It's less about autobiography, but epideictic speeches can be boring because you're just saying you're here, we're here, but to, to, to take what could be, uh, little bit of a formality like nobody remembers you know what the university president said at convocation at the beginning of a of a school year or semester it's just like okay we're we're recognizing the dignitaries we're um touching covering all the bases but we're not actually moving any balls forward but i thought that you really did that this sunday so you took what could have been a mere formality and made it really really meaningful to multiple congregations of people it was really great epideictic praise god yeah i was trying to do some of that and it was a it was a cause for me to reflect hey 20 years ago this is pre 
you know, the first Liberty Church being planted, but the yeah. launch team was 20 years ago. So I was, I was in the intro, I was trying to reflect on that a little bit. And yeah, uh, yeah I, and now thanks to you, I know a new word. So thank you. <laughs> you, you also got a, a Beatles reference from Collingswood. So when we were fooling around with the video before the service and like our setup team was out making sure that the video would run okay during the service, one of our most august members, both in terms of duration at Liberty Collingswood and age, when you were talking about it was 20 years ago, this person came to me and said, Jim, it was 20 years ago today. And I was like, what do you mean? And this person said, Sergeant Pepper taught the band to play. And I was like, oh, very nice. So you, uh, you, you even got wow. Beatles. You, you even elicited some John Paul, George and Ringo. It was, it was awesome. So speaking of music, Sun Studios, as far as I know, the Beatles never recorded in Sun Studios, but that's where we're going right now. Presence of the Lord talking about the sermon text or texts that preachers use on a given Sunday. Steve, you went from 1 Corinthians 1, spent more time relatively there maybe, but then also Acts 2 and Romans 15. Tell us about why you chose these passages. They all have the Greek word communion. Mm. Uh, koinonia is the, is the word in Greek, and it means communion, fellowship, partnership, sharing, participation, uh, that concept uh, used about 35 times in the New Testament. And they're all, so they all, that's what all those passages have in common, mm -hmm. but there's a different focus uh, in each of the passages. The first Corinthians is communion with God himself. Yep. Our fellowship was with the father through Jesus, the son, uh, acts two communion with each other, right. Community of the church. And then um, the Romans and Hebrew passage, it's communion partnership and ministry. Right. So yeah, that's what, that's what held them together. Yes. And so Steve, we, we spend a good amount of time together. I have, this is not the first time that I've heard you use the word fellowship or communion or koinonia in the original Greek. It, it's a word and a concept that I think has really captured you and has driven a lot of how you're thinking about church and ministry in the, in this new season. Tell us a little bit, and we'll get back to these passages, your, your, your koinonia testimony. How did you come to value this concept so, so deeply? Yeah. Some of it is a personal journey looking for um, Bible words that give us a fresh understanding of what mm -hmm. we're called to. Yeah. An example, another example would be membership in a church. Now that's obviously a biblical term. Uh, the church is a body with different parts and we mm -hmm. are members of a body, but also our understanding of that is colored culturally because we're a member of the gym or of Sam's club. And so we even unconsciously bring that understanding in there. So yeah. saying to Liberty people, Hey, we're in covenant with each other. That's obviously another, obviously biblical word that allows a fresh take on that. Yeah. And to me, you know, having read, prayed for unity in the mission of Christ as part of the witness uh, of the gospel in this world, having that like, by God's grace, deep in my bones, I, I've wrestled with, uh, you know, what are the, the best ways to state that? And some of this, honestly, has been conversation with friends over the years. Yeah. Um, network, 
um, isn't, it, you know, there, there's the Velcro, there's the mesh, but then there's the little hooks that, right. that it has. The Velcro, the word network doesn't have as many little hooks. It's not as grabbing. We don't see it in the pages of the New Testament itself. Yeah. Um, it's like denomination in that way. But a communion of churches, when you see it in scripture, hey, because it talks about the spiritual union with God and mm-hmm. with each other yeah. and a partnership, that, uh, that it has become... Um, very captivating and motivating. And, um, it's actually deepened my understanding of what, what is biblical connectionalism? What does it mean that we're called believers are called to connect with each other. That's all I mean by connectionalism, connectionalism and churches are called to do that. And we're struggling to, there's different models of how to do that in this world. But, um, yeah, the, the idea of Greek koinonia communion, uh, it's really deep in the scripture and I think really um, uh, captivating and robust as we think about what it is to live for Jesus together in this world. Absolutely. And it is a capacious word or concept simply in that there's no one English word that captures the the semantic range of, of the word in Greek. So, so it is uniquely multivalent in ways that I think are truly captivating. And so you, you just mentioned that you structured the sermon, the, the three points, Clara, my daughter, who's in fifth grade told me after the service, she, 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 she was in the sanctuary for the sermon. And she said, dad, Steve preaches like you, he, he gives three points just like you do. And I told her, well, Steve and I are the only two preachers in the history of the world that, that preach in three points. So this your, is this your is dad. I'll tell her. <laughs> I'll tell her. I'll tell her that her dad invented that, and then yeah. I copied <laughs> the, her. The inventor but of the three. That's amazing. Started. She got the she got the three points, and she noted that it would that would be a good <laughs> test. Fifth grader, follow your three points, or notice even notice how many points. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that would actually be a blind a blind taste test that that I wouldn't want to hear the results of comparing a fifth grader to a 50 year old in terms of sermon comprehension on a given Sunday. So you, you mentioned the three points, fellowship with God, fellowship with each other and fellowship in, in mission. And just to briefly touch on all three of those things, I, I've sometimes tried and I think succeeded other times tried and failed with the fellowship with God rooted in the the trinitarian being of who god is father son and holy spirit i thought you did a really great job of both in ways that are understandable because trinity is always a little bit tough to explain but then beautiful and compelling our god is a god of deep relationship within himself and we are brought into that that deep relationship with him i think that's something that that christians and people that are exploring christianity should spend more time with where God is a God of deep relationship in his own interior and shares that with us. Yeah. It, a lot of times we, we think that, okay, we're thinking of God in an anthropomorphic way. Yeah. Um, hey, we're placing that on him instead of having the understanding that actually what exists, the whole universe, the whole created order is theomorphic, like revealing yep. of God. Uh, so this is deep in him. God is a God. God is the God from whom uh, relationship comes from. And we can say, because the Bible states it plays plainly, God is love. 
Right. Uh, not that he just, he supports it or he's for it, but he is that he's the fountain of it all. Um, yeah, there's a, there, and that's why we're the way we are. That's why we create yeah. intimacy, connection, friendship. Uh, it's actually really explanatory uh, for, for some of our longings and drives. Yeah. So with this podcast, Steve, sometimes we go into Bible nerd or theology nerd corners more than what we do on a Sunday morning. And so when the Bible says God is love, the interior understanding from the scriptures is the grounding for being able to say God is love is because God is one God in three persons. And if God is only one person, you can't say God is love in the same way. And people, people in culture will. So it's not like a taboo buzzer that I'm trying to throw at a lot of people, but, but a rich biblical understanding requires a triune God as a basis of our being creatures of, of, of deep love as well. So theology yes. nerd, theology nerd, God has never been lonely. And it's right. interesting to, you know, I tried to contrast that with the pop culture um, depictions of God, that God is lonely uh, or weird or hangs out in a boring place where the smoke yep. machine's been yep. gone too long. Uh, but it said, it's, it's just the very opposite. God has always existed in love has always been in relationship. And yeah, it's deeply mysterious. Yeah. The theology nerds, you can look up the term perichoresis as a, a nice little Trinitarian nugget right there. The interpenetration of the three persons of the Trinity. Good stuff. So you went on from there, Steve, to talk about how koinonia fellowship relates to being devoted to the church and being devoted to, to mission. One of the things that Liberty Collingswood or I should say the, the Liberty communion in general is we, we try not to use token Christian language. That's just white noise or esoteric religious language that is only comprehensible to the insiders. But if you haven't been drinking our Kool-Aid forever, you're not gonna, you're not gonna know it. So, so part of my quest as a preacher is to discover a language that is striking in its description of some aspect of the Christian life that's not Christianese on one hand, but then also distinctive on the other. At a couple, more than a couple points, you use the word devoted. I, I wonder if devotion is one of those words that we can use more as followers of Jesus to describe something unique about the Christian life. And devotion doesn't necessarily have a lot of play culturally right now you know people aren't talking about being devoted <laughs> like we're, we're too individualistic to be devoted to to anything besides ourselves so much of the time so i i loved how you talked about in the category of devotion being devoted to christ also means being devoted to his church and you had a great line i wanted to ask you is is this a huber original that you can't say you love jesus but hate his wife <laughs> explore that a little bit more yeah i i got that from somebody else uh <laughs> and <clears throat> haven't we all what is that guy's name and but it is a great line because it is there's hey the church in the west has a lot of problems right now the church in america has a lot of divisions and the the option hey i want to love jesus but uh take a pass on the church yeah as it is is very attractive um, but it's not an option open biblically. What God wants to do in the world, 
he wants to do in and through his people. Yeah. And if we want to let Jesus direct our passions, Jesus loves his bride and is devoted to her and has cleansed her. And there needs to be some personal humility too. Right. Um, you know, that's the, the line. If you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. So yeah. would I we need to, we need to admit, I mean, the only options we have before us are to join a partially sanctified church as partially sanctified people. Yeah. Uh, a church in process as people are in process. So, but yeah, it's a, it's a great line. And I think something that we need to just try to directly challenge, uh, we need to directly challenge that and devoted, as you said, devoted isn't a word that we can, in this cultural moment, many people can say with a straight face, we're too cynical and wise in our own eyes to be devoted. Yeah. It's uncool. Yeah. It's not, it's not cool to be super sold out on something, right? you know, and, um, and yet that's the invitation and direction that the scriptures uh, call us to, to, Hey, make this an organizing thing around our life. And we're functionally devoted to many things, you know, it's still right. without but, admitting uh, just it. Less, without admitting it. Exactly. Yeah. I recorded a short video a couple Sundays ago relating to one of our practices of presence with our represence initiative gathered worship. And I mentioned there, and I've said it before on Sunday mornings that I'll hear from friends, Hey, I'm not really into organized religion, which is, is a pretty common thing that, that we'll hear in the West. But my rejoinder at this point is, well, the, the alternative to organized religion is individual religion. And if, if there's something good about being with other people, then religion and specifically Christianity has got to become organized or else we're just doing our own thing in our own way all, all the time. And I've, I've even pressed occasionally pastorally with people. Hey, if, if you're not connected to a church, you, you miss the blessing of being offended by other people when you rub elbows with them. And the blessing there is you need in those moments of being rubbed the wrong way by others, you need to call it for the grace of Jesus to give you a forgiving attitude and more forbearance than you could otherwise muster and figure out a way to live in community with people that aren't carbon copies of you. And if, if you just go out on your own, you're, you're missing all of that. So it's, it's a yes. good call, man. That's a great way to to respond to that um you know i would i've thought about it too i have tried to engage people with this you remember the lazy river ride in the the theme park the one where you just get on the raft and it just kind of carries you you don't even have to paddle you don't have to just point out hey the lazy river of our culture is forming us all super individualistically right so to not be part of organized intentional christian lifestyle you're just in the lazy river which is moving you to be more alone more in your own head in your own echo chamber um uh, the lazy river is, is still moving us powerfully a certain direction um, yeah so yeah i i agree with everything everything you said there so so ryan howard the the phillies baseball player from the 2000s into 2010s when, when he got his super big contract, he built a house in Florida that featured a lazy river on the bottom level. So maybe, maybe Liberty International Headquarters can, can work on getting a, a lazy river somewhere. So it, it's, I, I, 
Yeah, that's a great call. I've seriously considered that before. And thank you for bringing that up again. Sure thing. So devoted to, devoted, devoted to mission as well. The being devoted to fellowship with God, being devoted to Christ's church means a kingdom partnership in posture, humble posture to the world. Steve, before we started recording, you, you told me a pretty great story from this past weekend about people being devoted to mission. Do you want to share that again? Yeah. So I went, I preached a sermon at Bridge Community Church. Um, uh, on Sunday, and Rosemary Miller was being commissioned to go uh, to return to be part of a church planning team. Rosemary Miller is 97 years old, mm-hmm. uh, was the wife of Jack Miller, who died in 1996. Could, and she spent could, her quote unquote. Could you explain, years. Steve? Could, could all of our listeners might not be familiar with Jack Miller? Just a quick sidebar yeah. on that before you go on. So he was a seminary professor. And also a church planner who experienced a lot of personal renewal and rediscovery of the grace of the gospel in his own life. And out of that, he would just share the gospel with anybody. Hmm. And um, so this led to a bunch of church plants and a lot of people meeting Jesus. And so there's uh, the first church is now the first church they planted is called New Life Glenside. And there's several other New Life churches uh, in our region. But he had a he had a powerful ministry to encouraging others. And actually some of Tim Keller was a ruling elder at that church when he was at Westminster seminary and picked up a lot from Jack Miller, um, was, was deeply formed by him as well. So there's some interesting history there. Yeah. He's Jack Miller is a guy that's influenced so many people. And also a lot of people don't know about him. And uh, it was only like a year ago that the first official biography came out. So he's kind of this fascinating yeah. person. The band behind uh, the band. Yeah. The band behind the band, the band that inspired everybody to be in a band, you know? <laughs> so he, uh, I got the chance. It was like in the early nineties to be in a part of a couple about Bible studies that he led for leaders and just to be around him. Hmm. Um, uh, I'll never forget it. So he, so his wife uh, is part of a church planning team in a part of London. That's, um, filled with folks from South Asia. So they're Hindus, Mm -hmm. um, Muslims, and they've been there. So almost 30 years, I think. And he uh, planting churches and there's connections with churches in India. It's a fascinating ministry. And she was praying about going back to be part of that. Uh, She was in the States for some medical procedures and actually almost, almost died. And so she stood up and reflected on uh, the passage to live as Christ, to die, to die as gain, and talked about um, just the ministries she was excited to be a part mm-hmm. of and asked for prayer as she travels and uh, for, her, for herself physically. But she had a lot of faith and she has a lot of faith and joy in life. She really enjoys life and um, she's super encouraging um, she has been super encouraging to me about the Liberty Network. And it was just a joy to, to be there. And her, uh, the elders of that church prayed over her and the whole church prayed over her and sent wow. her with a lot of love. And it's an example of someone who's been devoted to Jesus people, to sharing her own story of grace 
and to the mission of God. That's what she, that's what motivates her in life. And uh, she's excited to, uh, to go back to London and jump back in. And she's how old? 97 years old. 97 years old. That's a, yeah. that's a wild story. I, I wish I had been in the room for that. So powerful. It was amazing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You can watch it online, I believe. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. On, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, on, on Bridge Communities website or YouTube page or something, I'm sure it's out there. I'll, I'll go back and do it. Yeah. Thank, thanks for sharing that. And that is a deep example of deep devotion to the mission of, of Jesus. So Steve, that's what we had for presence of the Lord, mudding the waters. We talk about what contexts are you trying to hit either among people that are followers of Jesus or not yet followers of Jesus. A lot of good stuff. One of the things that I sought to pick up from you when I started thinking about how to preach my own sermons is I think you're gifted at identifying different pressure points uh, within secular culture and also intersection points. So you, you talked about how fellowship with each other presses against the individualism of our age and talked about our old friend, Robert Putnam. Tell me about Bowling Alone. So Bowling Alone, it's this classic work about community in the West and specifically in America. And um, it's, it's prophetic in some ways. So that just the title is fascinating. Between 1975 and 2000, more people were bowling. And right. this book, Bowling Alone, came out in 2000. But more people bowled alone, less bowling leagues. It's symbolic of how, just as a culture, we're doing everything more alone. Even watching TV. Remember growing up, you would have to decide as a family, what are we going to watch? You would debate it, argue it. Right. Someone goes out of the room, you flip to another channel. Now it's, it's really tough to even do that together. We eat together less, vacation together less. And all these things are making us sadder uh, yeah. all these trends and uh, uh there's a uh, a journalist in london happens to be an atheist johan hari he's written about this in a book called lost connections the real mm -hmm. causes of anxiety and depression and he talks about what needs to be reconnected and it's basically the bonds of community life even right. as a it's a that book is a satisfying read um i i think a really helpful read um and as a Christian, it's fascinating because he's calling people to reconnect. And this is the call of the gospel is, um, you know, Jesus in, in connecting with us brings us into a completely new kind of community with a different basis. So, yeah, yeah. we do a lot of stuff yeah. alone, man. And I feel it. I know I feel this as a pastor. There's a half an hour what 40 minutes of formal instruction on a Sunday. Yeah. But what's forming us throughout the week is hours and hours of alarmist news, hours and hours of designed to be addictive social media. Yeah. Uh, just the rhythms, all these rhythms in our culture about how we live. We come home in the winter and we get something to eat and shut the door. And we might not even see or really interact with anyone after work. Yeah. Um, outside our family, what is that doing to us? So to me, man, there's a, a real, can we not say, is, is there not enough evidence? Look at what's happening. What is the call of, what is the invitation of Jesus and the call of Christ right now to the church? And um, 
it's, it's to live differently than we're being culturally formed to live. And right. um, yeah, man, I, I think we really need to wrestle with that. Yeah. That's, that's true of context that I see around here for sure. And what we, and this isn't specifically Liberty Collingswood, but have this, this is an earlier version of myself, but I, in middle school and high school, I played tennis and occasionally I, I wasn't good, but I played occasionally after that, I, I would shift to like racquetball, uh, which I, I think I need to do yoga for a couple of months before I try racquetball at this point. But a couple of times coaches or not, I didn't do anything formal, but I'd get pointers like, Jim, stop playing like a tennis player. Racquetball is different and you need to learn different moves. I think similarly in this cultural moment, people are trying to do church often when their dance moves are all bowling alone type dance moves. And so we need to figure out deeper ways of giving people new dance moves of community or else it's just going to be surface level Christian stuff, but we're still deeply individualistic on the inside. Right. Like we, the, all the normal rhythms of isolation and individualism, we, we normalize that as Americans and then try to sprinkle some Christianity around it instead of, Hey, we're actually called to a deeper uh, reorganization of life. And uh, I mean, we shouldn't be a, surprised right that the call of jesus is gonna shake up our lives that that shouldn't be on the surface um you know weird i'm i'm gonna give a uh tip my hat to evan curry i was talking to him yesterday Mm -hmm. and we're liberty northeast liberty northeast um he's a he's a great leader he's doing a great job at liberty northeast and he said that one thing he appreciated about, he was like, it was great to have somebody else say this because he said to his congregation, Hey guys, I, do we not need to deepen our resolve to come to gathered worship? Yeah. As Americans we're like, Hey, it's sunny out. It's a great Sunday to go to the beach. It's a little rainy out. I think I'm going to watch on the couch. It's a little, it's snowy. It's, Hey, we, uh, I stayed up too late. He just said, he said to his congregation, let's deepen our resolve. Yeah. And quit being people where only in the perfect barometric pressure when there's no nothing other competing right. reasons, then we'll go uh, make this a central thing that we organize life around. And I, yeah. I thought that was a good challenge. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about the encouragement that you gave, and I think it was a good one to press ahead to, to worship publicly and, and in gathered worship. And you were careful to, differentiate that from the mask wars and the COVID wars that the the churches are facing. It's something that's on my mind that at Liberty Collingswood, we've said we're, we're committed to offering online, online worship option indefinitely. And we've, we've, we've tried to allow freedom for people that either for health, for mostly for health reasons have, have, have been leery about coming back to church. I think that's good and right. And there are people that listen to this podcast that worship with us very faithfully online. And so I, I don't want you howling wolves out there to, to feel like you're second-class citizens because you're not, but multiple things can be true at once. Well, while we do have a handful 
more than a handful of, of people that regu regularly worship online and, and don't come to our building. There's another category of people that have left Liberty Collingswood over the past couple of years. I don't think you uniquely at our church, but there's a lot of talk about the great sort in multiple ways. And COVID, I think, was an accelerator for people that, that may have been moving away from church fellowship and connection anyway. COVID increased that process. For, for most of the people, maybe all, who have told us, hey, we're not going to be at Liberty Collingswood anymore. Uh, for the most part, they were all only worshiping online. Um, so I, I can't think of an instance where we've lost somebody or a family at Liberty Collingswood while they were coming to gathered worship on Sunday morning uh, during during pandemic. So I'm I'm weighing that. I think they're so so I want to continue to offer that option in a way with integrity, but then also there there could be some spiritual dangers there too. I I think not only could be, but I think the spiritual dangers are becoming more and more apparent. So we want to, I applaud you guys for saying, Hey, if you're at risk, Hey, you're doing the right thing. And we're going to serve you in love by making this available online. And there are those people. Uh, I think in doing that though, we've, there's a lot of people who, who uh, watch online just because it's easier. Yeah. And I, I think not, I'm not focusing on Liberty Collingswood, but just the church at large. Yeah, we need to more plainly say, "Hey, it's not the same." Hey, you miss the Lord's Supper every week, which right. is Jesus' body and blood to strengthen us to live for Him. You are missing out. You're missing out in relationships and the the people that think differently about you in some other area, but you're united in Christ. You're not um, sharing life with them the same way. Yeah, by watching online, and um, yeah, we're we're delivered from some of the things we veer in um, if we just stay in isolation. So I, I think just globally, we need to just have a real articulate, meaningful way to say why this is important because um, the scriptures call for it. Jesus embodies it. Uh, the scriptures are really explicit and just really fight for it. You know, mm -hmm. it's, and we're going to, we're going to have to fight for it. And I, I think just in general, here's the, this is commenting on something you brought up before, right in our, in our culture, we're not being formed in such a way. So we know how to belong to anything. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> we don't know how to belong to stuff where people, I'm talking about America and like in, in other decades, there are multiple things you are a part of. And just in general, um, you know, there's less participate participation in, in yep. PTA, right. And in, in all these markers of, uh, of connection that are good for society. That goes back to the Putnam, the, that, that social bonding. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the glue that holds the community together. Hey, we had this election in our community and not everyone was happy, but we're a community. We got running this together. Right. It's also lubricant with some of the friction and uh, Hey man, people get weirder. Yeah. Just hang out with yourself all the time and people are like you. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. It, so it, yes, it happens. All, fight, fighting to have fighting 
for uh, an emphasis on gathered worship. I think that's right. Uh, and it's really important right now. It's a, the other thing, the last thing that I have under Mudding the Water, Steve, uh, you mentioned Bob Heppy, one of the one of the leaders and founders of that mission in London, talking about following Jesus as going the wrong way on a one-way street. Before we get to our band cover tunes, tell me more. Unpack that just a little bit. This is a fascinating story, too. He was a he was a convert in the seventies that when he first became a Christian um, people couldn't believe it. He had to work a couple years to pay back all the money from people he had stole, stole from, uh-huh. and then uh, almost got a doctorate in philosophy at UPenn. Brilliant <laughs> guy, great missionary. He just never finished his dissertation. He's like, whatever. Um, <laughs> he was, he Same kind of me. became a theology. He became a theology nerd yeah. in a bad yeah. way in a way that he was focused on himself and his own uh, beliefs and sanctification. And then later in like midlife got caught up in God's call to mission and uh, all the kingdom promises and the kingdom teachings of Jesus. And he completely changed his life, sold all his stuff and moved to the mission field permanently. Um, So he's a fascinating character. Um, I've been on a couple of short-term trips. So I, I spent a month of my life with him. It's two, two week trips mm-hmm. and, uh, his, his, uh, his prayer letter is amazing, but yeah, the only, the point is the only way we can do this, the application of the sermon is, isn't to individual people do these things and change your life. Mm-hmm. We've really, the only way to live differently is to be part of a countercultural community. Right. So going for the only way to go to make it down the one way street, the wrong way. It's when you have a bunch of cars behind you and you're, you're with a whole group doing that. And we together live in a different way and communing with God deeply communing with each other, deeply having actually relationships that we allow to shape us and um, being devoted to a different lifestyle together. Mm-hmm. Both those things are key. That's how all these three points are related to, to being, uh, to bearing fruit in this world. Yeah. To bearing fruit. Yeah. Yeah. If, if a late 20th century model of, of mission, whether American heartland or church planting on the coasts previously, sometimes would have the flavor, at least when you're still in the marriage of Christ and culture, this late Christendom thing where the articulation of the gospel can sometimes have sounded like Hey, the gospel gives you everything that you already want and are doing only better. As as Christianity and culture move away from each other, the the gospel call I think needs to become more. This is something really different than than how you've been comporting your life so far. It's it's good. It's true. It's eternal life in Jesus, but but this isn't just keep your, keep your bullet journal and just add a couple more points to it as you organize your life. But it is a completely reshuffling of the deck and orientation towards Jesus, other people in his mission. So I, I think the church needs to lean into that in these next seasons. Yes. Yes. Let's be bold about it. Let's lean into it. Other, otherwise you and I are chaplains to the rat race. Yeah. Like the rat race is the default. And, but we, uh, we need to say to ourselves, 
and each other and everyone. Hey, let's not be rats. We're not called to be rats. <laughs> let's let's have a different race. Let's have a be- a, a better race together. And yeah. uh, it's a more it's a deeper or reorganization, not a slight tweak. Right. And, and and let ourselves be more than Reverend Lovejoys that are just occasional window dressing. On, yes. On, on other things, bar band cover tunes. Steve, you like a good bar band cover tune. You you mentioned so so I I I had some vertigo with the Dorothy Day quote simply because I had in mind Doris Day instead of Dorothy Day. So Doris Day was an old Hollywood actress and also a person of faith, if I remember. The Kesara Sara person and i was like huh i didn't realize doris day had this whole other other thing going and it turns out that she didn't so dorothy day instead uh tell me about dorothy day and where you get this quote from you you know what i found it um i found a bunch of quotes uh i haven't read the whole biography i've read a bunch of quotes from it nice but just the the title is fascinating and if you read about her life there's shorter versions of her life story online it's just fascinating she was an anarchist Hmm. she was a protester and uh, as a christian um you know really impactful in the world she started a charity that's all over the world catholic worker is Mm -hmm. all over the world and you know what she says about love you know the long loneliness is the title of her autobiography yeah that could be a title about a biography about covid so yeah. it just seemed to match yeah. that way. That's also just this cultural, this time period on other levels. And she's just, I thought it was a beautiful quote. She's just like, basically the answer is love. The answer is community. Are we not called to um, do life together? Yeah. We all yeah. have all known the long loneliness. We have learned that the only solution is love and that love comes with community. But yeah, she's a fascinating character. She um, she died in 1980, so mm. not that long ago, you know. Yeah, and still the book title "The Long Loneliness" could have been a book that was written last year. So yes, time, timely and prophetic. You you sent over reflection quotes from also Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Andrew Peterson. Did did you say those during the sermon itself, or were they cut out for 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 time purposes? Which I do sometimes too. Yeah, they were cut out uh, for time purposes. The the quote from Bonhoeffer, it's from Life Together, mm-hmm. uh, which that's like a classic work on community, yeah. really deep. And uh, I thought that was timely for this moment because he just talks about listening to each yeah. other. If we if we don't, the bottom line is if we don't commune with God, um. We won't have anything to say with each other and we need to imitate God and his kindness and deeply listen to each other. He has this line about, you know, you, the kind of listening where we're only thinking about what we want to say next, right? Which we have all committed that at that kind of lovelessness. It's deeply convicting, Yeah, but he calls us to be in uh, really have empathy and listen well to each other uh, reflecting the love of Christ, which, is also, man, do, do not we need to practice this in the church? And do we not, we really need this in our polarized time right now? Yeah. Yep. For sure. So that's, was there anything else bar band cover tune? What did you make any other references during the sermon? I don't have notes that remind uh, me. You know what? Us. I don't know if I did. I, 
uh, Andrew Peterson is a great singer songwriter. Yeah. And he, he's a Christian guy. It was just neat that he said, Hey, I became who I am by a Christian community. That's just shaped his work, his life, who yeah. he is as a person. Um, so that's why I stuck that, that quote in there. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think that was, uh, I think that was the extent of my cover tunes on this album. All right. Very good. Guitar slim pickings. And then Steve will wrap up here that one, one thing briefly, what, what's it like, what's your experience of preaching to a camera? I guess a lot of preachers did that a lot during, during COVID, but I, the audio video quality was really great. What, what feels different preaching in an empty room to a camera versus versus in person? Do you like it? Do you not like it? What's it so like? the, you know, the verdict on that is nobody likes it, right? <laughs> You'd rather actually. <laughs> so I am, I think, and think about all the people who are going to hear it. And I have yeah. them in my mind and heart as I do it. And that's the only way to do it. Uh, but there's nothing like getting to see people's faces yeah. and sharing that moment together as you explain something, as you point out something about God's word together. So that's the, the best way to do it. Um, uh, but yeah, I was grateful to that. The, the video came out well and, uh, that we were able to all celebrate. That's the advantage. Hey, we can all celebrate this together where otherwise it would take like a couple months to travel around and preach all those sermons in, in uh, in person. Yeah. I, I was listening to a podcast by, uh, when a preacher being, was it being interviewed who is big into web web three web 3.0 and he he has a virtual church and preaches an avatar so he puts on a motion capture suit and preaches an an avatar by video i i i'm not sure i'll ever be there but um but 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 it would be funny if i'd show up and preach in a motion capture suit but not not have an avatar it's just just like hey why is jim wearing a motion motion capture suit (laughs) That's funny. With with no explanation whatsoever. Oh. No explanation needed. <laughs> That's what I got. So we have one for our encore here. Howlin' Wolf. Steve, if you want to stay on just for a minute, if you have any interactions with this email from a man named Tom. Steve, including you, if you ever want to write in to uh, this podcast, it's postsundayblues at gmail.com. So hello, TPSB. I just wanted to pop in and say hello and share a quick story. First, one thing I appreciate about the sermon each Sunday is that some part or another of it never fails to address something that's been on my mind. This week, it was actually the liturgist directing us in confession, which was a first for me, but no less effective. That's Joanna. She's an awesome liturgist. I'd actually like to discuss last week's sermon. So this is before Network Sunday. I was preaching at Genesis 3, the fall. I really thought both the sermon and the TPSB were very well done. Having recently been reintroduced to Jesus, the church and the scriptures, it's been so helpful to have a pastor who delivers a sermon that somehow seems to address exactly the questions that come up in my life. The message that we were all fallen as a human condition and that there can be beauty and brokenness reminded me of something a friend introduced to me. The art of kintsugi is an ancient Japanese pottery technique where the artist using an adhesive compound made with powder from precious metals, mends a shattered piece of pottery into something whole and even more beautiful than before. The idea is that there's beauty and brokenness and that the journey in realizing our brokenness and working towards mending it through the word of God and the example of Jesus is incredibly moving for me. Wonderful message. 
reconciled some of the questions I've had about our place and our path in life. So thank you, Tom, for that. And that, that Kintsugi form of ancient Japanese pottery, I, I think that's one of the things that Makoto Fujimura uh, is, is big into it. Uh, uh, person of faith who's an artist based a Japanese American I think based based in New York it's it's pretty awesome stuff have, have you ever met old Makoto Steve in a cocktail party I, with Makoto I think I did meet him a, a long long time ago uh but yeah he's a, he's a great artist and is really making an impact and hey it's super encouraging um that this listener wrote in and yeah. has been reintroduced to Jesus and is making those connections about how God works in our fallenness and making something beautiful. It's a great, great letter. Amen. Tom, thanks for writing in. Let's do some cherry pie. So much, much appreciated here. And that's what we try to do with our preaching and everything that we do at Liberty Collingswood to get it to speak to who we are and uh, what's going on in our, in our world um, in, yes. in ways that hopefully, hopefully make connections. So Alan Wolves, feel free to write in for next time. Rate, review, subscribe, and share. Steve, thanks so much, my brother, for being being with us today. Any any parting shots for our listeners? Hey, um, we're called to communion with God, with each other, and with Jesus on mission. So it was a joy to preach that sermon. And um, yeah, let's apply it together. It was great to be here today. Jim, thanks for having me. Love your church and I really appreciate you as a friend and a brother. Take care. Love you, man. Boom. How was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching postmortem, production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre Sunday happy. We lost Steve. I know where there's good white. <laughs>